But that's that mentoring experience. And that's what podcasts and that's what we hope our podcast become for people is an opportunity to to almost like a masterclass situation. Because uh, there are teachers out there who, who are rock starring, uh, who understand what it takes to do what we do. But nobody knows who they are. Nobody's heard their voice. No one's, no one's, you know, there's not a camera in every teacher's room capturing all these moments and, and putting them in a file. And you may have never experienced it, and then you may listen to it on a podcast, and then all of a sudden you experience it, and it's like, oh, I remember them saying, okay, this is how you, okay, got it. And even though it may be like, no, nah, I can't do that, but it gives me an idea. It sparks an idea in my mind of what I can do. Well, everybody, it is right before the end of March, or sorry, the end of February, and we are back with the next episode of the Value as Value podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger, joined just by my guy, Wilkie V. Law III on this episode. Will, what's good? What's good, man? Excited to be alive and and warm. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so as we get set to record this, it is the 27th, 7th. the 27th of February. So um, the majority of the episodes we put out here um, to start 2021, we had recorded over the Christmas break holiday. Uh, with the exception of last week's podcast with Brandy Arnold. But uh, obviously, a lot of things have really happened since then. Um, you know, we had everything that happened in the Capitol on January 6th. We've had a new president getting sworn in. Um, and then the one thing that you didn't think would happen in Texas, which is you got yourself set into a deep freeze where people were really really hurting so we feel like kind of a lot has happened over the last month since we've had a sit down um chat so we want to go over that but um from my perspective i'm going back into the classroom in two weeks for the first time in basically a year and i have um a real concern about not just myself but um the teacher uh, the workload that teachers are going to put on kids. And I've had conversations with mo both my kids um, that are going to stay virtual to end the year and my kids who are going to come back into the building uh, about this new workload. And they have a real, real fear that they're going to basically just get caught in an avalanche of work with teachers trying to get through as much as they can um, to end the year because they have kids back in the building. So um, you you have a really good perspective on that. So those are the things we want to cover here in this episode. But um, let's just maybe start with, you know, the deep freeze and, and how your experience was and what you're seeing and, and just a little bit of what you went through. Because it's watching it from afar, it was something I never thought that I would see. Yeah, it, it was a little, um, man, you know, it was... You know, I, I teased my wife because I told her that um, it was her fault because, you know, ever since we come down, we've been to Minnesota in November, she's been wanting snow. Um, you know, and I'd say, you know, that's some things you got to be careful what you want want for. Um, 
and, and you know, again, it, it was it was almost unreal. Like I don't think I well I, I don't think I know I've never experienced weather here that cold. You know, I've gone. You know, I've traveled around the, the world and around the country where it, I've been in cold situations, but to be here in Texas and you know, 14 degree, 15 degree temperature with no power. It puts a different perspective on what, um, you know, it wouldn't have been bad, just cold outside, warm inside, lights on, you know, it's it's okay, bundle up, you know, you can you can tough it out. But when you're having to sit here at that temperature, you know, when the temperature inside our house was like 40 degrees, you know, that's cold. That's like refrigerator cold. Um, and so, um, it, like I said, again, we only experienced it for, for like two days. You know, there, there were people who experienced it for four days without power, you know, not, not to mention the water issue. Um, if you didn't lose water, you still couldn't use the water without boiling it because the pipes had gotten contaminated. Um, you know, so I think there's a lot that can be learned from this with, Texas and making sure that our our infrastructure can can withstand any extreme. You know, like you know, we've been saying here, we're ready for hurricanes. Hurricane season come, we're we're ready because we've experienced it before. We've experienced it so often. They said it hadn't been this cold in 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 Houston in over a hundred years. Now let's think about that. Two days, and that was, I mean, it snowed. And it literally didn't leave for four or five days. You know, not to mention in Austin, who was still dealing with it long after that left us uh, in Dallas. You know, but again, I think Houston could have done a little bit better of how we managed it. I've been watching the the, the hearings with uh, the investigation with into ERCOT and how an entire grid could fail that way, that miserably. Um, and it's just, it's eye-opening to where it is because we didn't know. You know, I didn't pay attention to all of that stuff. You know, I knew there were grids running across the whole country. I didn't realize there was, you know, east, west, and then us, you know, <laughs> in this little co-op by ourselves. Uh, but, you know, again, it's a lesson learned. It's an experience learned. I've been trying to really get my students to kind of have the conversation about it, uh, you know, virtually. Um, because I think it's important. I mean, because it's it's stressful for some people. You know, calling parents just, you know, this week, you know, between yesterday and Thursday to try to find out just how are you doing? You know, and hearing parents actually take that sigh that like, we're good. And it, it, it's like both, you both understand what that sigh means. Um, and, you know, talking to some who were dealing with remorse because they didn't lose power, they didn't lose water, you know, everything was good with them, but seeing so many of their neighbors still with it, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something that, you know, it's like this generation that we're bringing up right now has no choice to be, but to be great because they, they're, they're already surviving so much adversity. Um, and that's kind of the angle that I'm going to take with my kids going back is to, you know, every time you go through something, it makes you stronger. You know, every time you have an experience, now you know how to deal with it. Um, and so I think that that's where um, 
that's where that's where I am right now with that. Um, like I say, we were we were fortunate not to have any damage in our home, um, but my in-laws, they're you know they're still without water because there's a pipe shortage. Go figure that. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> um, I think it, it was one of the plumbing shops here in in Houston. The day that the roads opened back up, they showed um, footage on the news, and there were you know hundreds of cars lined up, vans and trucks lined up trying to get in there to get parts. Um, Cause that's the sheer number of people who experience some type of pipe damage. Well, and you know, in the eight years that I lived in Houston, we maybe had two or three days where the weather was quote unquote cold. Where, you know, the worst it really got was that the roads for, you know, get that little bit of top layer of freezing on it. Mm -hmm. But every time we would have a snow day there or a, a weather day, by the time noon came around, everything was thawed and I just went about my day. But to see that, you know, especially when you got out there in the, the central part of the state, like out near Austin to where the in, you know, the, the ice is a half an inch to an, an inch thick on the streets. And there's, I mean, there was really no way for any anyone to get anywhere. And you and I talked about this for several days as you were trying to get to your in-laws. Mm -hmm. Just the roads were impassable. You you couldn't safely get yourself out on the road. And, and you know, you see videos of the there, – there was one particular video that I saw that was like a security cam video where a guy backs his truck out into the street and it's a very kind of steep hill – and he backs himself straight out. And before he can even turn his wheels to try to drive, he starts sliding sideways down the street. That's the kind of stuff that people were, were dealing with. And just you and I have talked about this over the last few days. If, it, if your kids didn't need to have anything else, you know, get in the way of this school year, of of their learning you know they were off of school what you said for well i mean well really technically we had the week last week and then this week we were we were remote for three days so technically about two weeks off you know and it's just um it's just really you just feel for him. And that's kind of where coming into this podcast, we wanted to talk about that adjustment piece to going back. Cause like I said, I haven't been, I haven't not taught from a classroom and by the time I get back, it will be almost a full calendar year. Mm -hmm. And as I, so my school started with hybrid until mid November. And then we've had everybody virtual until what will be the 15th, so two more weeks. And the virtual kids and the kids that are going back on campus are very, very concerned that um, that their workload is going to be, not just that their workload is going to change, but it's going to be unmanageable. And and I get it, you know, like, like you were saying, and, and I'm going to let you kind of jump into this, but just to explain what we were doing, you know, when we've been virtual, our kids – so for me, two days a week, I teach a live session to them. Two days a week, they have some type of video where they do a lesson off of. Mm -hmm. 
um, those live sessions are 30 minutes. My videos can't be longer than 20 minutes accompanied with maybe 15 or 20 minutes more of work. Now, when we go back, we're going back four days a week for all of our kids are going to be back four days a week, whether they're virtual or hybrid. And they're going to have their full slate of classes. They're going to have their full, what would be a normal schedule, even, even the virtual kids. So now they're talking about being in classes for 50 to 55 minutes at a time. Because it's going to become synchronous for the virtual kids. Yes. The, the virtual kids are going synchronous. Okay. Mm -hmm, that's a great way to put it. So, <clears throat> and, and to be fair, in this situation, one of the things that a lot of students and a lot of, well, frankly, teachers have liked is once you got your work done for the day in the virtual setting, you were done for the day. So most of my virtual kids are done by mid-afternoon. And now they have classes that run until 3.30. And, and that's not me saying that this is a bad situation. I'm just trying to put into perspective for our listeners where my kids' heads are at. Because I'm sure a lot of our listeners either feel that way themselves or have kids that have felt that way when they transition from virtual back to in person. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your experience because you started off a little bit. No, you started off virtual and then went to hybrid. And then up until the last two weeks, you've been on campus, right? Mm -hmm. So I guess September. The, so I guess the question is, how do you manage your? How do you manage the amount of work you're giving these kids in what is an unfamiliar situation? <clears throat> uh, well, I think we, we we you know we kind of talked about it, um, the experience off off air, but. It was like we've ran the gambit on <laughs> on, on on what we did virtually um, and the workloads we did. Uh, you know, we started out, you know, kind of shaking everything out of the barrel to give them everything. I think we were required to do provide three different activities for the kids, <clears throat> which equated to anywhere between forty-five minutes to an hour worth of work per class per day. Um, and I think when we started out virtual doing that, I think it was maybe right before we got ready to come back face to face and I'm looking at my grade book and I'm seeing so many missing assignments, so much that kids did not do, um, that I, I, I had to have conversations like, look, I think we're, we're overloading them and they become overwhelmed and they just don't do anything. So then we were able to dial it back a little bit and we saw more participation in, in what the kids were doing. And so when we came fa back face to face, even though we're face to face, I still program as if I'm virtual so that my kids don't ever lose that ability to know how to switch. You know, it wasn't until recently that I, I shifted my whole teaching theory where I teach now two to three days a week, face to face, no computers, no anything. You're going to get me teaching you everything I need to show you uh, in two or three days. And then the next two to three days, you'll be working 
basically as if you were virtual, but you're face to face. And it gives me an opportunity to kind of do small groups to kind of mix around the room and do different things. Um, but so we, we've done it all, you know, and I think as we've talked collectively as teachers, we've kind of had to go in and say, look, we have to make sure that we're not giving kids work just for work's sake. You know, we're giving them things that are meaningful, things that they can, that they'll complete and they'll gain something from, but not so much that it's like, oh, I just have to keep giving you work to make sure that you're busy. You know, that busy work, which is the teacher's mindset, you know, oh, I'm not going to be there. I just need to make sure you're busy. No, I need to make sure you're learning. You know, and that's one of the questions that I started putting at the end of my video. Open-ended. What did you learn from watching this video? I want to hear from you. I want you to be able to tell me and articulate what you learned. Um, so I think when you're thinking about how to manage that workload for students and teachers, it starts with the teacher understanding that it's not just busy work. You know, what is, how can I pack in the biggest punch in the least amount of time? And I think that's the challenge. And um, like I say, right now, my, my class is pretty much set up with every day for virtual, it was a discussion post uh, where they had to inter you know in interact with each other. Um, and then there was a four question like warm up or what you know some people call a bell ringer. And then there was a supporting video to watch over something that I'd, I've already taught. And it had the kids working and solving through the videos. Really simple, nothing outlandish. Um, and so, you know, it just becomes where um, it becomes the teacher's responsibility to manage that load. Hey, we're going to take a quick break from the podcast to ask a small favor. If you are a teacher that is early in their career and you would be willing to have a conversation with us for the podcast, we would love for you to reach out to us on social media uh, at value it's value on Instagram at its.will.law.iii or at its Kyle Krieger. You can find us Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, reach out and let us know if you'd be interested because we want to understand what the new teacher experience is like. We want to know the things you're struggling with, the things you're finding success in. So we can build a set of questions and really make our interviews with experienced teachers, professionals outside of teaching that much more meaningful to new teachers in bringing them you know, the resources that will help them find success. So if you'd be willing to help us, please reach out. Let us know at value adds value on Instagram. Otherwise, at it's Kyle Krieger at its.will.law.iii, wherever you want to find us. Otherwise, we're going to get back to it and we hope you enjoy more of this episode. I guess that's the best way I can put it. It becomes a teacher's responsibility. So 
from your experience, because let's tie this in, because we want to make sure that we are addressing, you know, that we're really working to help, um, especially the new teachers, the new-ish teachers, people who are not very far into the profession in a situation like this, because I'm sure there's a lot of, well, I should say, none of us have ever faced a situation like this, but we have both faced situations where there was a, a mandate from on high that we were really gonna like put the pedal down and try to really hammer through content. Mm -hmm. So for a for a, a early in their career teacher, how how do you how do you fight against that? Because I'm sure there are teachers around the country who are in that situation where their admin or their colleagues are saying we're going to jump from first gear to fifth and we're going to, we don't care if we grind the gears, we are going to put the hammer down. So if I'm a teacher in that situation and I feel in my heart, I'm like, I know this isn't right. What, what advice would you give to a teacher who's trying to approach that situation? Do what's best for your students. Um, I think that's one of them. The, the best answers because it's the e it's the easiest to defend because we got into this profession to do what's best for kids and so um, and again I don't want to want to take this and be like oh okay this is the gospel go ahead and do this but let's just let, let's just let's unlock this real quick if I'm being asked to move kids from A to B, or let's say I'm asked to move kids from A to E, let's give it a span. If I'm asked to move them from A to E, and I know my kids right now are on B, and they haven't gotten it, but they need B to get to C, I believe in the slow churn in order to pick up speed versus the quick burst that fizzles out at the end. Um, so if, 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 you're, if you're looking at this saying, you gotta get through this, you gotta get through this, is it just getting through it just to check boxes or your kids understanding what you're going through? Do you have a goal set to where you know if the kids did not master this? I mean, I'm still teaching integers in my remediation groups. And we taught that at the beginning of the term last time before the before winter break even started. Um, so but I'm still going back to that. And I always make sure I keep showing them that. So there's a way to move on while still keeping your hand in the back. Uh, to keep, you know, to keep kind of sort of supporting your kids and moving them. But I would say make sure that what you're doing is in the best interest of the kids. That's the only, <clears throat> excuse me, that's the only advice that I can give that I feel is a safe bet. Because every kid is going to be different. Mm -hmm. And And the other thing that I would say on this topic too is, the last thing we want teachers to be doing, whether it's ourselves, people we work with, or our listeners, is to, you know, have that quick burst, like you said, through the end of the year that maybe you can sustain it, 
and then you jump right into June and you're doing new PDs and you're doing this stuff and you don't ever take time to like process what the last year and a half has been. I mean, I'm of the hope that by September school will be close to what it once was. Um, but I'm of the mind too. And we both said this, that I think it's going to take me a little bit longer to process the last year than it usually does a school year. Well, here's a catch to that. What you should be really doing is as you're going through it right now, gaining that perspective, you know, taking those notes now, taking those mental notes, reflecting consistently. You know, I, I believe that, that being a reflective practitioner, you know, where, you, where you're literally, as you're practicing, you're reflecting on what's going on because there's a lot to unpack. You know, just here alone, the trauma of COVID, you know, which again, we have kids who've lost family members. You know, we have kids themselves who've been sick. You know, and now you bring in this winter storm, which is more trauma because you got an entire region that was just almost devastated because of, you know, something out of our control. And so to unpack, to wait until June to try to unpack all of those lessons would be too late because I've already missed some. Mm -hmm. But to unpack them in the moment and to make that note, and it's like, hey, okay, I, I know, I know now, I know better now. That won't happen again, you know. Um, and so it's just, you know, that preparedness starts doesn't start when it's when you, when it's time to go back into it. Preparedness starts while you're going through it for the next. Mm -hmm. You know, we know we're going to go out on an assignment again. We get a new assignment in August. <laughs> You know, and with that new assignment comes new challenges, but it's still the same team. You know, I love, you know, you know, we I think we both share our, our love for the military and how they work and do different objectives. And when I'm watching SEAL team, it's the same team going out, but each time they go out, they have something. They learn something from that experience that helps them in the next one. You know, I'm, I, I need now, I need to go re-dig up my OODA loop and see how mm -hmm. I can now. Uh, I love the OODA loop. We need to do a whole podcast just on the OODA loop again. But right. I guess the other thing I would want to ask you about as someone who's going back for the first time in quite a while, um, is it, you know, wanting to maintain distance from my kids, not being able to do a lot of the things that I would normally do with kids, I am worried that I won't be able to make the connection with them in person. So do you have any advice on on that front, on on how to how to continue to build the relationship piece when you know there are some parameters that are different than they've ever been? Um just be real. I mean, I can't explain it any other way. Just be authentically you. Um, just because there's new parameters doesn't mean that you have to stop being you. 
You just gotta find new ways to be you. You know, whereas, um, you know me, I'm the hugger guy. I love to give a good hug. And I think sometimes kids need just a good hug from somebody who cares about them, who's safe, and who's not going to um, try to take advantage of them in any kind of way. Um, but I can't, I can't give the hugs. I can't even do the handshakes, you know? Um, so, you know, we do fist bump, we do elbow bumps. You know, I do my old school, yeah. you know, real big in the classroom when I get excited, whereas normally I may run around the room and give high fives. Uh, you know, it, it, it's just adapting to, adapting who you are to a new environment. And I think that is ultimately what, I mean, that's what we do as teachers. We do that year after year. The only difference is now we, we look at these COVID restrictions and guidelines as almost like, as a cliff not to fall off of. You know, when they really should just be kind of looked at as these just new steps in, in doing what you already done. You've already walked this rope before. Just because they put these guidelines here, you've walked this forever and not, not fallen over. So just take these new ones and keep walking and keep doing what you're doing, keep teaching. Um, like I say, I, I, I love being face-to-face -face with my kids. I can't, I, I'll be honest with you. Last year, having to go from face-to-face -to, -face to virtual, and this year having to do the opposite, going from virtual to face-to-face. -face, you know, like I told my kids, it was a little less nerving than a regular school year because I felt like I had already gained access to them via being online. So it's like meeting up with somebody, you know, it's like us meeting Eric Crouch for the first time after only seeing him online or being there with Casey Bethel, just because, you know, these are people that we know online that we had on podcasts that we've talked to, but then you get to meet them, the Vanessa's face to face. You know what I mean? It's like, we already know each other. You know, and even the ones that I didn't have a relationship with, that I did not build a strong relationship with virtually, I still felt like at least you know me because virtually I've been true to me. So it's not like you're walking into somebody brand new. This is still me. This is this Mr. K. You, you've seen me online. You, you've been in my live lesson. You've seen my assignments. You've heard my comments. So you've, even though you may not have engaged with me a lot, you still know me. You know, that's why I like things like the Bitmoji classroom where you can kind of change your Bitmojis up. You know, we did that during virtual. And I think it gave the kids an opportunity to kind of see you and learn you in their medium because that's what they like to do. They, they'd rather sit on TikTok all day long. You know, so guess what I did? To introduce myself, I made a TikTok. I don't even think I put that on my TikTok page. I need to share that on my TikTok page. But that's how I introduce myself to my kids. Is doing a, a quick TikTok. Doo, 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 doo. I don't even think I said a word. It was just all air bubbles. Mm -hmm. And the kids watched it. And I think that's one of the most watched videos on my YouTube page. <laughs> you know, but I think that I think that your fear is valid. You're not fear, but your uncertainty is valid. 
But man, go do go do what you do. Think about this as being September, but except for you got an advantage because you've already met these kids for the past five months. Yeah, yeah, man. And like I said, I'm I'm in a position where you know I've been fortunate to have been able to be a virtual teacher, especially when we didn't know as much about the virus as we do now and we didn't know as much about schools as we do now but i'm excited to be back i'm excited to continue on on the journey and and try to do the best i can to just have some fun with these kids before they mm-hmm. leave you know this is the group of kids you know that didn't get to do their seventh grade overnight trip and they didn't get to do their eighth grade washington dc trip mm-hmm. you know they missed out on a lot of those experiences but I feel like I'm in a good position to um, help them through this last little bit and, and make, make the experience memorable and really also to kind of get them back into the, the mindset of, you know, what their high school is going to be like. Cause a lot of these kids are going to go from our pretty small little charter middle school to gigantic high schools. Mm-hmm. So having them have a chance to, get back into the flow, get back into those things. Um, I'm, I'm excited for. So um, one other thing I did want to ask you about, and this is more of just a general podcast, as we, you know, we've been talking about what we want the podcast to be in terms of helping teachers who are early in their career, especially when it comes to, you know, the, the things they, they don't know that they don't know. And also, the way I've been thinking about it is, you know, we, we both and any experienced teacher has gone through a lot of bumps and bruises. We've had a lot of those moments where they were painful and, and sharing the teachers we bring on who have experienced, you know, being able to share those bumps and bruises with the teachers who are newer in the profession with the hopes that maybe they won't have to make that same mistake. You know, they can avoid some of the mistakes that we've made. So what I want to ask you just to kind of wrap this one up is, is there a bump or a bruise that was particularly insightful for you, for you, a, a moment where you made a mistake that it didn't necessarily have to be the most painful mistake you made. Cause I could go into the most painful, but one of the ones that you learned the most from. Are you meaning as, Ooh. As 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 an educator, one of the biggest bumps and bruises that I experienced that will that that kind of stayed with me. Yeah, something um, a lesson you learned that most teachers learn, but maybe a new ish or a newer teacher could learn it from us rather than having to learn it themselves. <laughs> You know, I would probably have to say it is wow, it's a great question. Um, because it's it's causing me to play back this reel of fourteen years of experiences 
Um, and and I think one of the ones that I, that that's, that's just kind of stands out to me is from when I first started teaching. Um, I think I was still a paraprofessional. Um, yeah, I was still a paraprofessional. I was at Nimitz ninth grade, and I, I, I got into a verbal altercation with a student, and it, it escalated quickly. Uh, and and it, it turned into <laughs> almost one of them catch me outside, how about that, uh, moments. Um, and I had my, a, my AP then, Mr. Johnson, i never forget it. He always kind of cool under pressure kind of guy. And, and he came to me and he was like, Long, you, you can't do that. You know, you can't do it. You got to remember that's a kid. And I'm like, but this guy's six foot, 200 pounds. And he he's threatening to, to do things to me that I know he's probably capable. So I'm not going to let him just, you know. And so I think the lesson that I learned from that is when you're teaching kids, your ego can't be present. the hardest shot that we can take is to our ego. Um, and so if your ego is not present, then there's really not a lot that a kid can do to ruffle your feathers. Um, but it's just when we let that ego just peek out just a little bit and the kid catches it and exposes it, then it puts us in a real bad situation. Um, so I think that that would be mine where if, if you're teaching kids, lose the ego. Mm, I love that. That's a great one. I think for me, it was maybe my second or probably my second, my third year. Um, I, I was coaching football at the time at the middle school and I came in early to school and I saw one of my kids sitting outside the principal's office. And, you know, the initial thought you have in your head is like, how did this guy wind up? It's 745. How did he already wind up in the principal's office? And early in my career, I probably would have started with the preaching. I, I have my biggest problem and something that I still try to deal with is I have a tendency to get preachy on kids. And normally in that situation, I would have gotten preachy. But for some reason this time, I don't think it was a conscious thing that I did. I just walked up and I was like, I sat down next to him. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, well, one of the other guys was picking on this girl and wouldn't leave her alone and was just bothering her. And then he pushed her. So I pushed him down and got him away. And I was like, all right, you good? And he's like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm cool. And that was that was the end of the conversation. And I checked in with, with the girl who was being picked on. And, and she was like, yeah, that totally happened. Like he just stepped in and helped me out when I was getting picked on and the relationship instantly changed. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't know that that is necessarily a particular bump or bruise. I think that was a product of a lot of those bumps and bruises where 
I didn't give kids a chance to tell their side of the story. And when you met me, I had kind of reverted off of that behavior a little bit at that time because of my ego. We've talked a lot on here about how bruised my ego was when I came to mm-hmm. start teaching with you. But that situation of just being able to give a kid a space, and even if my kid, even my guy would have been wrong and he would have made a mistake or something like that, not going in full throttle, preachy, being that way, giving them the chance, like you were talking about earlier in the podcast, to process what they had done themselves. Mm-hmm. Because most of our kids, being that they're kids, don't necessarily think everything through. They don't have a logical point A to point E of what their decision-making tree is. So you give but them- isn't, it the na- isn't it the nature of being a kid? Yeah. Yeah, it 100% is. So the lesson I learned through a lot of bumps of being preachy, of letting my ego say, I'm, I've got this situation all figured out, um, was that I was able to, with this particular kid, really break through and, and build a real, real relationship with the kid. Mm-hmm. You know, that, uh, I mean, this same kid, when he was getting scholarships from all the district, invited me to the banquet wanted me to be there with him and he wound up they i don't remember which particular group it was but they gave like 15 kids a thousand dollars and then they they brought him back up and gave him another five thousand dollars because of his story because of everything he had been through wow it was it was a really cool moment so i remember that i remember you 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 going over to that banquet i didn't know that that's how that relationship started with that kid though mm-hmm Mhm. Mhm. I mean, but this is a kid you found out that you know mom had died a couple years earlier. Um the family he lived with, particular family members that had been in and out of jail, cops were a frequent presence at their house. You know, it's now he's like 23. Just living his best 23-year-old life. So it's all good, man. But any um anything else you want to say as we wrap here? You know, second week of March, getting ready for spring break, you know, any other any other things that are on your heart as we, you know, hope that this podcast is helping all teachers, but especially those teachers who are newer to the profession. You know, find success, find your authenticity. That's that's what we're looking to do here. So any last Little parting words. Um, I would just say, as we're getting ready to kind of go into this season, um, where really it, we want to make sure we kind of it's kind of in our wind down uh, because we're coming on coming up to the end of the school year. I, I want to try to encourage every single teacher that's listening to this podcast to really wrap up this year. Wrap up this year with your kids. Um, Last year, uh, ending the school year the way we did with COVID, uh, shutting the schools down, and then me losing um, one of my students during the summer, um, it it made me hyper-focused to make sure that 
every interaction, I kind of wrap it up when when it's over because you just never know when that's the last interaction. Um, so I just want to encourage every student, I mean, every teacher to make sure you wrap up this year. And as I'm thinking about it, you know me, I love um, acronyms. acronyms. Um, so I'll say work through the year with your kids. And what I mean is work through what took place in 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 uh in, in 2020 and 2021. Uh really work through it, dissect it with them because they're gonna need these experiences in the future. They're gonna need it. You know, we were talking in our uh we had a circle um at um like a, a restorative circle at, at our campus to kind of talk to people who you know, to deal with the trauma of what we've been dealing with. And, and I made the statement that I never knew when I was a little boy coming home from school and there's no lights in the house, understanding that instantly go grab the candles, grab the kerosene lanterns and sit down at the table, turn it on and do our homework by candlelight take the kerosene lantern into the bathroom to take a bath and rotate each other in back and forth and still get in bed before my mom got home at 9.30, all with the lights off, not missing a beat, not petrified, terrified, trying to call people to come pick me up, but understanding the situation and going through it. So these kids are good. And I didn't know that those experiences would have to come to true now when we had to deal with a freeze because that mentally prepared me to not be so caught off guard. Um, so work through this year with your kids. Also, um, be real. Don't let them, don't, don't you, you know, we talked about this as it relates to 2020. You can't say 2020 is a horrible year because you bought a house and got married. Like that's not, there's nothing horrible about that. So be real about the experiences that you bring to the table. Also accept everything that they have, accept what they're, what they're doing, accept what they went through, accept their realities. Because again, everybody's realities are different. And then lastly, provide them with some type of plan so that if this happens again, they're prepared. So work through this year, be real, accept them, accept what they've gone through and then create a plan to help them get through it the next time they get it. I love, so. that. I love that. So fam, we are out for this episode of the value as value podcast. As always, we appreciate your support. If you could subscribe, if you could share it. We would love that. Um, if you would like to get in touch with us, ask us questions. And especially if you would love to be a guest on the podcast, especially if you're a newer teacher, we would love to have you um, find us on Instagram at value adds value. Also at it's Kyle Krieger at it's dot will dot law dot I, 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 you can find us on Twitter. You can find us on TikTok. those same um, handles. We're on We're on LinkedIn. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube, <laughs> wherever you can want to find us. We hope that we are there and we would love to, to hear from you and support you however we can, but that is all for this episode of value adds value.